<sighs> okay, I'll uh, I'll get this officially started. So Shavancha's this audio file isn't too terrible for yeah, you. Yeah, let's keep this at a crisp like thirty at most. <laughs> All right, I will take that as a forty. Yeah, then... yeah, that's fair. Thirty's the goal. <laughs> if I say if cap. I say thirty, we'll be lucky to get forty. So. <laughs> Well, you have me, so I probably add at least 29 alone. So, <laughs> all right. Just like nobody will say anything for the entire podcast, and I'll just keep coming up with random crap to say, and that will probably just end up what's happening. <laughs> oh, oh <I'm> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I'll get, I'll get us rolling. All right, Austin. Um, let's, uh, let's launch this thing into space. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the DI Scoreboard. This is a very special episode I'm particularly excited about. We've got our special guest, Twitter Savant, host of the Swarmcast, and publisher of Hawkeye Insider, David Eichel. David, how are we doing? Hey, good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Slightly surprised, but what a great uh what a great introduction. I always like to be known as being a Twitter savant before my actual job title. It makes me feel like such a professional. So thanks, Austin. <laughs> we also have Robert Reed, Twitter savant, maybe, question mark. I don't know if he'd agree with that assessment. DI pregame editor. Now he's a projects editor, a multi-tool guy. What can't he do? First thing, you introduced both of your guests before your co-host. Just want you know, to throw that one out there. <laughs> And that's fine. Second, you, you, you introduced me also as a Twitter savant, but there's only one person on this podcast that has over 10,000 followers. So I guess we'll just leave that one to Dave again. We, we introduce people in terms of Twitter followers on this podcast. Oh. So, uh, oh. <laughs> my, technically, I'd be introduced last if we were doing it that way. I was going to say that. Too. But uh, Shivan Chahuja is also here as always. I'm glad my co-host is here. Shivan, how are we doing on this you fabulous know, Wednesday? Before you brought up that, that stat that we introduced in that order, I was going to say there's a short list of people I would accept being introduced before me. And David and Robert are both on that list, so I'd be fine with it. But now I'm kind of concerned. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. I, I was flattered. So if the ultimate goal is to to flatter me and, uh, you know, brown, brown nose a little bit, I, I was completely for it. And, you know, I encourage it because it boosts my ego. And, you know, I, I definitely could use that before uh, I ruin all credibility when we get into some questions in this podcast, because we all know that's probably going to end up happening. I think Austin's just a little starstruck. And so <laughs> it all goes out the window. I don't get to be around famous people like Dave this often, so... I'm not verified yet. I'm no Adam Hensley. Somehow Adam Hensley, <laughs> like 1,300 followers is verifying. I'm not. But I could feel, again, I could feel the entire podcast ranting about how upset I am that I'm not Yo, verified. David, do you, think, do you think you could get Hensley on our podcast? No, no, man. I'll only reach out. <laughs> No, you know what? Here, here's this. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to his uh, to his people. Yeah, exactly. Or someone. Whenever we Whatever. try to get a guest on, I always say I'll have my people talk to your people. My people is just Austin. Yes, so yes. I just get Austin <laughs> to talk to them. Dave, I just, you know, before we actually get into basketball, I just want to see what your rant would be like if our good friend, DI alum Pete Rudin, somehow got verified before you, because that would be a fun time. Here's the thing. 
Here we go. I love, I love, <laughs> I love Pete. But the reality is, I have seen people with like 200 followers get verified, and the whole verification system makes absolutely no sense. You know what the bad part is? You used to be able to like put in an application to get verified on Twitter. They don't do that anymore. I, I mean, I was so desperate just to get some shred of credibility with the public. I sent it in for Instagram. God, there's no way I'm getting verified on Instagram. I have like, I have no following there. It, it's like I, I would be introduced last on this podcast if we were <laughs> if we are going by instagram followers but here's the thing i love pete and he's too nice to trash now if adam wasn't verified and we are ranting about that then you might have had me on for about five or ten minutes straight about how upset <laughs> i would be if he got verified before me how many of our conversations robert and austin <laughs> have started with i love pete but <laughs> <laughs> more than one probably i think more than one <laughs> Here's the here's thing. If you took the three first words of that, it's I love Pete, and he'd tell you to cut it off. But you can't say like, I love Pete. You say, can't say, less. say I love Pete. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can't say I love Pete. There always has to be a button there. Like the, the three words don't make sense together unless you add that fourth word in there. <laughs> We can edit that out of the podcast. We can say no, the dude, butt, this is but content. we can no, cut no, the butt on no. the end. This is content. <laughs> Hashtag content. This is good for the cold open and the close. <laughs> That's where we'll put it. It could um, be every. It needs to be all red hot like GameStop, dude. The don't GameStop get me started. <laughs> don't. We're gonna start. I'm gonna start a financial podcast just to talk about GameStop stock <laughs> and Reddit. <laughs> Savanch stocks. Stock stock Vanch. That'll be it. <laughs> Boo! Just kidding. That was pretty good. I'll give you that. Well, this is about as on topic as I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. We're only five minutes down the hole. (laughs) Before we get too deep into uh, GameStop's stock trading, (laughs) let's let's talk about what this pot. I feel like the NBA on TNT right now. They're supposed to talk about basketball, but they never do that. But yeah, let's talk some basketball before we get too deep down the hole here. And we're pretty much just going to exclusively talk about Friday's Iowa-Illinois basketball game in Champaign. Starts at 8 p.m., broadcast on FS1. Um, And I kind of wanted to start with just go over the whole saga. And that kind of winds back to last year when these two teams met for the first time at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. I believe Iowa was 18, Illinois was 19 in that game. And things got a little chippy there uh, between Connor McCaffrey and DeMonte Williams. Um, I guess David or Robert, whichever of you want to kind of recap that game in particular and point out some anything interesting you might remember about that kind of first part of this grander picture we're trying to paint here. So, you know, that was such a weird game, though, too, because remember, it ended in they didn't even shake hands afterward because the assist, Illinois assistant coach started yelling at Fran because Joe Wieskamp dunked the ball with, I think, 20 or 30 seconds left and they were up eight to make it a double digit lead. And that really never made that whole saga really never made much sense to me because you wanted to exhibit a of why Iowa dunked the ball in that game. Iowa, Minnesota, Christmas Day this season. They were up seven with 44 seconds left. You always take the guaranteed two points over over having to go to the free throw line. And what made it even more weird to me during that whole situation was they were going to try to foul Connor McCaffrey off that rebound, and he just found Joe Wieskamp down the court. So they were going to foul anyway. So the assistant coach for Illinois is essentially upset that Iowa didn't let him foul to go down, knock down free throws. But, you know, I think we really saw that, like you said, the Iowa-Illinois rivalry last year ramp up. DeMonte Williams, Connor McCaffrey, I'm so excited for them to match up again just to go forehead to forehead. And remember this, too. I think this was during the same play, but they only called the technical fouls on – no, it was 
four technical fouls because CJ Frederick got into it with uh, the Illinois shooting. I think Andres Feliz at that time as well. So there's a lot of tension between these two teams. Io DeSumo, you know, Illinois star average, I think the third league score in the conference, no second with 22 points a game, just said, look, we don't like Iowa. We respect them. But he said, we're trying to kill them and they're trying to kill us. And if you remember this too, as they were walking off the court in that final game of the season last year, uh, Brad Underwood signed a, I don't know what you call them, like the fat heads, like the life-size posters. It was a Fran's head, but it was it was like a Fran con meter. Brad Underwood signed Fran's forehead at the end of that game as he was walking off the court. So, I mean, if you're talking about two teams that legitimately want to kill each other, <laughs> I, 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 I've had this game circled ever since the schedule got released. And I'm really upset that they're only playing one time. I wanted to hit on that. When the Big Ten schedule came out, these teams were only scheduled to play each other once. Um, but today at the press conference, Luca and Fran McCaffrey kind of mentioned that, you know, this might not be their only matchup. These teams could definitely collide in the Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament. But is this game going to be as big and as, you know, play a huge role in the grander scheme of the season as we thought? Because Iowa's coming in on a slump and Illinois is coming in perhaps not as highly rated as people thought. But is this a game that could set up future matchups and have huge implications down the road? I'll, I'll say this, you know, this might be a hot take. I'm not sure I've engaged other people's thoughts on this yet. I think this is the most important game of the season for Iowa. Like, without a doubt, I think they're coming off their, their toughest. But I think they're only bad loss this season. Say what you want about the minute. Minnesota game the only reason why that's a bad loss is because Iowa couldn't close out the game the final 45 seconds Minnesota's beating some really good teams this year including Michigan so I think that here's how I've always thought about this Iowa team and I how I try to approach basketball teams in general teams are going to have three really good games during a season they're going to have three really bad games during the season. The other 24 games is that's how good the, the team actually is. So I think I was coming off their only really bad game. I think they had our played, they played a poor game against Gonzaga. I still think they can beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. I think that Iowa is their biggest mismatch in the country uh, to Gonzaga. You know, again, I'm known for my hot takes and apparently that's a hot take, but that that's that one. But I think that this game, as far as if Iowa once can, is supposed to win the big 10, if they want to win the big 10, this is the biggest game of the year. They get the tiebreaker over Illinois. I think they get their swagger back. And I'll say this, it sets Iowa. Iowa needs, I think, I don't want to say a confidence boost, but they're going into it now starting Friday. They play four games in 10 days. I mean, they are going to need to start that off right with a win. And I don't think that there's any game that's going to be easy the rest of the way in the Big Ten. Well, at least until you schedule Nebraska again. I mean, that's the only really bad team in the conference. So as far as the grand scheme of things, as far as the NCAA tournament seeding, I mean, it's another quad one win. I mean, Illinois is, I think, number nine in the net ranking still, despite losing five games this season. They're still a very good basketball team. They have a lot of talent. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm still wary if there's gonna be a, a big 10 tournament, I don't even want to count my chips that there will be. And I know Iowa won't opt out of it, but I'll tell you what, man, if Iowa didn't win the conference and there was a conference tournament, but they could opt out, but they have a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't go. I say if you keep everybody healthy, then you wait for the NCAA tournament. So but as far as the conference goals and the Big Ten goals and Iowa's rest of the way goals, I think that this is without a doubt the most important game of the season coming up. Yeah, and I, I guess I'll get everyone else's feelings on that. What, you know, is is this the biggest game of the season for Iowa? Obviously, you mentioned Michigan, and that's kind of the one that Robert had mentioned talking to me earlier this week. Um, you know, Robert, do you agree with David there that this is a big, you know, Iowa's biggest game of the season? Or do you see a matchup on the schedule ahead of time that might end up being more important in the grand scheme of things? 
No, I, I do think coming into this season, I definitely had two games circled other than, uh, well, more than the rest of them, I guess. The first being that 1v3 matchup against Gonzaga for obvious reasons. That's about as much national attention I was gotten for a game in a while. And then, you know, I, Iowa-Illinois is by far the most intriguing Big Ten matchup the Hawkeyes had coming into this season. And as it's been said, uh, real shame that it's only on the Big Ten schedule once. Um, but yeah, it, there's, it's no secret. These teams don't like each other as last season's antics showed the comments from the Illinois side, or, you know, as Joe Toussaint said today, he doesn't like anybody. Uh, maybe the, the, uh, the rest of the Iowa lineup has adopted that way of thinking as well, but I think it's particularly strong against Illinois and, you know, that makes it fun. Uh, another thing Connor McCaffrey said during his press conference today is, you know, Growing up uh, around Iowa men's basketball, Illinois was never really a rival. It was more of, you know, Iowa State, UNI, the in-state schools, and then as far as the Big Ten teams like Wisconsin. So it, it's fun to see this old Iowa-Illinois rivalry get back to being what it was and both teams being, as Connor said, kind of at their peaks as, you know, Iowa's got a, a top 10 team and Illinois had their – uh, star players come back in the offseason. So I, I definitely think this is the big, the biggest Big Ten game for Iowa, at least over the course of the regular season. Yeah, no, I was going to agree entirely with what was said so far. Um, definitely the biggest game besides Gonzaga up till this point. I do want to really uh, – I, I don't think you can emphasize enough that Michigan game uh, to close out the end of the season. That's also going to be really good, especially considering Michigan's schedule. It doesn't seem like they can – there's any opportunity to slip up really if you look at the teams they're going to be playing um yeah no I think uh before the season you couldn't it was a coin flip with who's going to win the big 10 and um who's going to finish with the top record and I think that's still the case just look at teams like Wisconsin and uh and you know Minnesota going all the way up and down the rankings it seems like uh taking taking full laps of the 25 really um yeah, this is this is going to be a big one for both teams, and it's going to be physical. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait to see what goes down on the court. So the only thing about the Michigan game I really want to quickly add is that could be the biggest game of the season, but that entirely depends on where Iowa is at at that point because I think, like you said, Michigan's conference schedule, if there's any quote-unquote weak schedule in the Big Ten, it's Michigan, and it's without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually kind of ridiculous when you compare and contrast Iowa's conference schedule with Michigan's. I mean, Michigan, I think the, the toughest game is they go, I think they go on the road at Rutgers, but they get they get Iowa at home, they get Illinois at home. Grant, they, they play Wisconsin, they go at Wisconsin. I mean, if they got one play against Wisconsin too, oof, yikes. But uh, no, I mean, Michigan could very well be, but I think at this point in setting up Iowa for the month of February, I think this is without a doubt the biggest game of the season. So to kind of rewind to last season, and, and I, I want to touch on the end of both Iowa and Illinois season, I guess, for that matter. We didn't know it at the time, but uh, Iowa lost on a Luca Garza block shot. Kofi Coburn blocked him for what would have been a game tire from about the free throw line last year. And that ended up securing a double buy for Illinois um, and making Iowa play with just one buy and that, that had to have sat with the Hawkeyes, and I'm sure that's not lost on them now um, that their last play of last season was a block to lose, uh, miss out on that double buy. I'll say this. So as you guys know, I'm not sure, you know, who else, you know, knew, but I did a big 
you know, 20,000 word feature over the course of about four weeks on Luca Garza. I talked to his father, Frank, for probably 30 hours on the record <laughs> over the course of a month. But uh, no, and he flat out told me it's on the record that that last shot haunted Luca for an entire month, actually, after the season. I mean, the first workout he did right when he got back home with his dad was, I think there was, what, 1.2 seconds left on the clock, maybe 1.8, but it wasn't much more than that. They put it on a stopwatch. They inbound it. They practiced time and time again, different moves they could make, um, different, how he could have gotten a shot off. And, you know, you guys have been around Luca enough that he's the last person to make an excuse for anything. He's always holding himself accountable, his team's accountable. So that really messed with him for a while. And if you think about it like this, keep in mind that could have, that was his final play of the greatest single season in Iowa history, whether, however you want to chop it up individually, statistically, it was the best season in Iowa history. That could have been the final play of his career at Iowa. Had he not elected to come back for his senior year. So, I mean, he downplayed it today. I asked him during the press conference, if that was something that kind of stuck with him and he kind of alluded to it, but you know, this is something that I think you talk about. And I, I think the Iowa, this team, I think they're able to, set aside the external aspects of this game. But I think, again, you guys have been around the team enough. You know enough of the storylines. There's definitely some external motivations hanging into this game. And, I again, I'd point specifically at Luka. And I'll say this. If Luka drops 35, 40 points on Friday, not going to surprise me. I think he's going to come out as aggressive as he has in his entire career because he – I think, again, I think Luka wants blood in this game, especially for how much Illinois fans have been – uh talking about that block and how much Kofi owned him or whatever else. And I mean, I guess six points and six rebounds compared to 28 points and 10 rebounds is owning, but that, you know, that's, that's, that's news flash to me. So. Fran McCaffrey at his press conference today, didn't really provide an update on CJ Frederick, just that he's day to day with that lower leg injury ahead of Friday's game. You know, it, it was a lot of factors contributing to that terrible second half that Iowa had against Indiana. You mentioned Jordan Bohanning. Bohannon having the worst shooting day of his Iowa career. If if Frederick isn't able to go, and we see guys like Keegan Murray or Joe Toussaint getting some some more time in the lineup, how do you think Iowa's offense needs to bounce back and play without Frederick in the lineup? I think Joe Wieskamp needs to be an alpha dog. I think Joe Wieskamp, he's been really good this year. He's putting up his best numbers of his career, shooting the ball well. He cannot have a two point second or a one point second half after starting out as strong as he did last game. He has to be able to take the physical defense and he has to find a way to thrive or get to the foul line. And the fact that he's shooting, I think 65% from the foul line this year is one of the more weird storylines of this season, I think. But Iowa needs to be able to stretch the floor. They got to be able to knock down some threes because otherwise everybody's just going to collapse in on Luca Garza. And, you know, if CJ Frederick can't go, they cannot, they cannot play Joe Toussaint, Connor McCaffrey together without at least Joe Wieskamp, Jordan Bohannon, and Luca Garza on the floor because there's just not enough offense. Because you're going to, oh, oh, Patrick McCaffrey, I'd throw in there too. Patrick can hit the corner three. I've not seen him make a top of the, you know, the top of the key three pointer yet. I mean, that, that's a lot of size out there, but that's not a lot of shooting. And, Iowa's never going to be known for their defense, no matter what combination of players they throw out there. You have to have scores at all times. If CJ can't go, two of these three players have to be on the court at all times. Jordan, Joe, Wieskamp, and Luca Garza. There has to be at least two. They have to at least keep defenses honest because, again, you look at what happened in the Indiana game. All they did was collapse in the paint. 
and they kept one runner on Jordan Bohannon because nobody else was going to be able to knock down stuff. And if Keegan Murray can step up and knock down a three-pointer or two, I think that's going to open up a whole lot of things against this Illinois defense. So with Frederick out, do we expect to start to enter the starting lineup and slide Bohannon to the two? Do we expect Iowa to go big with Jack Nungy? Do we expect Keegan Murray to enter the starting lineup? What do we think for Friday if Frederick can't go? So I'll say this, and I want Robert's opinion on this because he was in the press conference today. Did you get the feel that CJ was not playing? I, I did. It, it didn't seem, you know, all the players were, like Lucas said, he didn't know if CJ was playing, but all, all the players seemed to kind of, and Fran, kind of hint a little bit that they didn't think CJ was going to play. So I, I'm not expecting him to play on Friday. Okay, so I'll make sure it wasn't only me thinking that I think Iowa's starting lineup will come with something a little bit more unique than they have uh, the rest, all, all like all the compared to the rest of the season, a little bit off topic, but you know, Iowa, Iowa could be down one of the best three point shooters in the conference. And really at this point, one of the more underrated players in the conference in CJ Frederick, and they've still got so many options, Joe Toussaint, Keegan Murray, Jack Nungy, just as possibilities. It really speaks to the depth of this Iowa team, which at this point is, just continues to be ridiculous to me how many potential starters or starters are on this team. So, um, yeah, losing CJ Frederick definitely hurts um, for all the reasons we've listed. But, you know, it, it's not like I was exactly hurting from a depth standpoint, even if he can't go. Probably one of the biggest X factors on the team. If I was going to make a run in March, they need a healthy CJ Frederick because oh, yeah. whether you look at the stats or not, I'll say this. I think CJ Frederick's one of the biggest gamers Iowa has on the team. I think Jordan's obviously up there, uh, but I think CJ, I think he's, there's something different about the way he plays basketball. And I think we're really going to see that next year, assuming Joe Wieskamp goes to the NBA, which again, I'm not saying he will. I'm just speculating that this might be his last year. If Luca goes, especially if Jordan goes, I mean, if all three of those guys go, I mean, CJ is your number one option at that point. I think CJ is a very capable 20 point a night scorer. I think he's that good. Um, this is just his offensive opportunities right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as big games, remember he hit that big shot against Texas Tech last year in Vegas to win them that first game before they took on San Diego State. I mean, he's a very reliable guy that you want in the clutch, especially in transition threes. So We'll see what happens. Like you said, I think Iowa's depth is ridiculous. But as far as if Iowa's going to win the Big Ten Conference, like they want, if they want, if they can do that, I mean, they're going to need CJ Frederick healthy. Oh yeah, and and that goes back to something Fran was asked about today. You know, whether you try to get CJ back as soon as possible and maybe not play him into his full role or wait until he can be back until he's fully healthy, which is kind of a fine line to play around with. But you know, Fran basically said the same thing. They they just want to get a fully healthy CJ back for when March starts, but we'll have to see that is a fine line to cross whether they, you know, wait and potentially have a miss a couple important big 10 games or, you know, try to force it, not force him, but bring him back maybe a little early. I don't envy the decision that Fran's going to have to make regarding CJ Frederick. If CJ is not hundred percent healthy by Friday. I mean, it's, it's an impossible task because again, Iowa hasn't won the big 10 regular season title since 1979 but you also think about the, the potential of this team, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but I do really want to say this. In a year where the Blue Bloods aren't dominant, I hate saying this, you know, knock on wood, whatever else, but if there's ever a year where Iowa makes the Final Four and can contend for national championship, 
it legitimately, this is the year because all the blue bloods are out. Essentially. I don't buy into Kansas. Duke probably won't make tournament. North Carolina is playing better, but I always got win over them and I'd pick them to beat them again. Kentucky, they can't shoot. I mean, they, they, they can't shoot whatsoever. And I think that's a common theme you're seeing among these blue blood teams. And what's the one thing that Iowa can do better than anything they can shoot the ball. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a fine line, but at the same time, I also think that this game Friday, as we previously touched on, I think Friday's game is going to have a very, very big impact on how the rest of the season kind of unfolds. Yeah, they were trailing to Northwestern earlier this season, I think by 20 at half, and then they outscored them 50 to 13 in the second half. Um, but I, I don't think there's any way Illinois will be down for this game. I think they'll be up for Iowa, no doubt about it. I think they'll play well um, or about as good as you can. I don't know, Robert and Shavanch, if you guys agree with that assessment, assessment, but I think given the history of this matchup, there's no way that um, Illinois is asleep when this game begins on Friday night. Oh, yeah. Both teams are uh, going to be ready to go for this one, especially Iowa. You know, they're in the weird situation where they've had they're going to have eight days between games because of some postponements. So they've had eight days of just thinking about playing Illinois. So I, I think especially from that side of things, they're going to be ready to go for this one. Yeah, I think we're too far into the season where you can't say they're not going to be ready or, you know, they didn't see this coming. Um Previous game aside against Indiana, no no one saw that one coming. But, no, these are two uh, really experienced teams. A lot of guys coming back, obviously, a heated rivalry. I don't see any point where both these teams are not on their A game. And so I think this is going to be a really good test of where these two teams are and where the Big Ten really is uh, in terms of the grand scheme of college basketball, which we know they're at the top. But If you can't get up for Iowa versus Illinois, you shouldn't be playing college basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's at least my, my two cents on it. I mean, this is as intense as it gets. This is going to be all the – it's going to be an emotional game. It's incredibly important. And Illinois, you know, I think they're still number 19. I mean, this is a team that can string it together and make an Elite Eight appearance in, Mar- in March if they really get things going. So, again – if you can't get up for this game, you are not meant to be playing at, at, at a Big Ten program. And that's basically what Luca Garza, I believe, said in his press conference today. He just simply said, you got to be able to get up. This is this is what the Big Ten is all about. This is what college basketball is all about. Outside of March, I think, again, this is as intense of a game as it gets across any level or any conference uh, in the country. I, I think that I'm now overstaying it when I say this – this might be the most intense emotional big 10 game we've seen this season so far. And it might be the end of the season. This might be it. I that's I'm expecting. I, I am seriously expecting multiple technical fouls. I'm expecting DeMonte Williams to fake elbow Connor McCaffrey's throw again and still somehow only get a technical foul and not get thrown out of the game. I'm expecting Patrick McCaffrey, Connor McCaffrey side by side, going forehead to forehead with Andre Curbelo and DeMonte Williams. Like the brothers are going at it. It's going to be, like I said, I'm, this could be a bloodbath. And if Luca Garza's face is not bleeding excessively in this game, I will be just sorely disappointed and very sorely surprised. Is there an over under out there on how long it takes for uh, Luca to get some gauze in his nose or something? (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll ask, uh, I'll ask the sports book about that, but it, it, the best thing ever would be if March, when March madness hits that they actually set up something like that as a prop bet, that would be absolutely hysterical to me. 
must be 21 of age to, or of age to gamble. <laughs> Luca might get his. I got you. Luca might get his uh, teeth knocked out uh, on his career up in this game as well. It might improve his number to two. Um, <laughs> over under one and a half teeth knocked out for Luca Garza. Well, well, Austin, is it is it improve? I don't think that's an improvement. <laughs> You you can throw this on the back end of the pod and you can throw this next thing I'm about to say on the back end of the pod too, because I think all three of you are going to yell at me, but I think Adam Miller is, is Illinois uh, Jordan Bohannon, right? If he's hot, that offense is really cooking. And if he's off, they struggle at times. Man, I'll tell you this. I think Adam Miller is a great shooter, but if you're going to throw him in that Jordan Bohannon category, you're watering down what Jordan Bohannon's done his career at Iowa and all the big shots that he's hit. I mean, and I'll say this too, the fact that Jordan Bohan has had the career he's had, I don't know if you guys remember this, remember his sophomore year when Christian Williams transferred, I think a week before the season started, Jordan played that entire season with plantar fasciitis over 30 minutes a game. And he still did what he did for all the clutch shots. He said to come back after two hip surgeries and for him to have the career he's had, it's uh. It's pretty much nothing short of a miracle and absolutely incredible because the amount of pain tolerance that that kid has to, to be that big of a gamer still. I think Adam Miller's about uh, three hip surgeries, a broken ankle, and everything else away from uh, hitting that category, Austin. Also, congratulations to Jordan Bohannon for announcing that he has moved into Carver Hawkeye Arena full-time <laughs> to focus solely on basketball and leave his podcast and – Fortnite and everything behind because he you know that's free why parking. he was missing shots he did it for the free parking oh yeah that's why can you get a ticket if you're parked at your own place <laughs> this ain't Nebraska I got one of those <laughs> once during my time there Oof. that was uh that's what you would call a tough scene uh but, but no it's uh I'll say this, though, and I think it should be encouraging for Iowa fans that weren't all up in Jordan Bohan's mentions. The fact that he was able to make a joke about that so soon and just be lighthearted about it, I seriously think as dumb as this sounds, you know, might sound to you guys, I think that's a very important thing going into this game, the fact that he, he was able to laugh that off. Now he's just fully geared on bouncing back against against Illinois. Well, and, and look what he did over the five or so previous games, just – shooting lights out from everywhere and that was following a a couple games where he wasn't making much and you know Fran was facing some questions early in the year like what's going on with Jabo when's he going to start hitting shots and you never sense any distress even after the Indiana game from Fran when talking about Jordan it's like yeah he's gonna every once in a while a game like this happens he's gonna make his shots we trust him to make his shots and we want him to uh, to take his shots you're there's not gonna be any uh fewer transition Bohannon threes in this game because he had a bad game the the game before. It's going to be the same Jordan Bohannon out there, and that's what Iowa needs. Especially if CJ Frederick's out. I mean, you have to encourage you. Like, it, I think Fran took the right approach. Don't even say a word to him. He's He's been around the block enough. Let him do his thing. Don't say anything that might deter him from that. But then again, it's Jordan, and I don't think anything will ever deter him from shooting. But – that's exactly they need. I mean, I think they need Jordan to launch 10 threes on Friday night. I, I would say half of them go in at least because if he does that, keeps the defense honest, opens everything up for Luca. And again, even with CJ in the lineup, when Jordan Bohan is hitting his three pointers, Iowa is a completely different caliber of team. And that's what makes them the contender. Jordan Bohan hitting threes 
takes Iowa to that final four potential. If he's not, that's the sweet 16 team at best. I mean, I, I think Jordan Bohan is that important for Iowa to go far. So Frederick's out and Bohannon is, is cold from uh, beyond the arc on Friday night. I think that's the only real way I could see Iowa losing this game. But to kind of wrap up the podcast, I guess, give me one key thing you'll be looking at on Friday night um, and an official game pick. Man, I haven't even picked the game officially yet. Uh, <laughs> I'll put, do 1A and 1B. I think 1A is Kofi Coburn's foul count. I think if Luca gets Kofi in foul trouble, nobody on that team has even a shot at stopping Luca. That That's just the reality. And again, we can say that about most teams. They don't have a legitimate backup big man that could even guard Luca. And even if Kofi's in, Luca can shoot from three. He's going to try to stretch out Kofi because Kofi doesn't like guarding outside the paint. So I'd say that's something I'm looking for. Number two, it goes back to, I think Joe Wieskamp's got to be an alpha. I think Joe Wieskamp needs to be able to hit his three pointers. I think he needs to be able to, I don't want to say take control of the offense, but he's got to be aggressive because an aggressive Joe Wieskamp, again, this is another X factor of the season. I think an aggressive Joe Wieskamp makes him a perfect Robin to Luca Garza's Batman. And they don't need Joe Wieskamp to be Batman. They just need him to be able to go drop eight, like eight, 16 to 18 points a game, play good defense and be a leader, hustle, grab boards, et cetera, et cetera. So Kofi Coburn's foul count and Joe Wieskamp. I think we all know what I was going to get from Luca Garza. I don't even ever throw that in as a factor anymore. And I, you know, I'm not trying to water down, you know, I, I think if, I'm not trying to water down his greatness, but it's just, it's so accustomed at this point. I don't question if he's going to go out there and get 20. Everyone expects him to go out there and get at least 20 points. So I think those two things happen. I think Iowa should feel really good. I, I'll tell you what, I probably am going to pick Iowa because I think Iowa's deeper. I think they're more experienced. I think that this is going to be a very eye-opening game for guys, again, like, like Adam Miller, like Andre Curbelo. And this Illinois team, and I said this earlier, when they get rattled, they get rattled. And they turn the ball over. And if Iowa gets the ball going in transition and Bohan's hitting a couple transition threes, I think that's going to really rattle Brad Underwood's team. I'm going to go Iowa 84, Illinois 77. Wow. Three possession win on the road for Iowa. Free throws. Yeah, free throws late. Okay, I got you. Robert Shavanch, I would assume you will also be taking Iowa, but I know you are an unbiased journalist. Of course. You know – you just stole my pick because my main point, especially if CJ doesn't play, as we've talked about how important that could be, is Joe Wieskamp being aggressive because you can tell when he's not exactly hunting for shot because by nature, Joe Wieskamp seems like a very selfless player. He's always trying to set up a play for someone else, but he needs to realize how talented. Well, he, he definitely realizes it. He needs to take advantage of how talented he is how capable he is of going to the basket and scoring for this Iowa team. Because as David mentioned, he's, he doesn't need to be what Luca is to this team, but if he can consistently get 16 to 18 or even more, he's perfectly capable of scoring more when he needs to drive to the basket, take your open threes. We can't have another one point performance in the second half, like it was against Indiana. Um, so, so that's really, again, to drive that point home. Joe Wieskamp being aggressive on the offensive end and getting his shots is my key point. And I guess going to a a game pick, really tempted to pick Illinois in this one, especially if they're down Frederick. But I don't know, something about the way Iowa ended their season in Champaign last year 
and how I was had eight days to kind of uh, think about that Indiana loss. Uh, we're going to be seeing a very focused uh, Hawkeye team in Champaign this Friday. So um, going to be up for this one. I'll, I'm going to pick Iowa. Um, let's see what, what David say 84, 77. Yeah. You know what? Free I'm going to go. Okay. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go 92, 82, a little bit more high scoring and a little bit margin, a little bit more margin of victory there. I was also thinking high scoring. Um, yeah, for me, it, it comes down to Iowa on the perimeter because Luke is going to Luca uh, defense is we're going to hope hold up a little bit better than it has recently. But I mean, against Illinois, who knows what's going to happen there? Um yeah, the way that last season ended, uh, not just with the loss, but really a, a, a pretty bitter loss, uh, thinking about the fallout of that game, really. I don't think Iowa stumbles twice in a row here. Um, I know Illinois is a good team, and that this is just a testament to the Big Ten again. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go even higher scoring than, than oh, Robert no. did. I'm going to go <laughs> 95 to 86. Iowa. Fran McCaffrey and all the offensive gurus are just fist pumping right now. That's my caliber of basketball game. Siobhan, is Luca's going to Luca a t-shirt yet? Uh, should I copyright that? Should we put that on? For should. The... Otherwise, otherwise, John, when John Rothstein hears this, because we all know he listens to and reads every single sports journalist and everyone out there, John Rothstein will put that on a t-shirt in a second. The podcast right, so Austin, 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 Austin's a homer since his Illinois family, so he's probably picking Illinois. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to outdo these other picks, I'll pick Iowa 179, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Illinois 176, <laughs> final in 87 overtimes. Should I should I wrap up the podcast, Shavansh? I know you're probably dreading the the edit sesh you're going to uh, have tomorrow. The pod itself has been going for 55 minutes, so we're slightly Woo! over <laughs> But That's, yeah, let's wrap it. What did I tell you though? I added 29 minutes alone. <laughs> I wasn't over exaggerating. This has been the DI scoreboard. I thank our guests, Robert Reed and David Eichel. I'm your host, Austin Hansen, alongside my co-host, Shaman Shahuja. It's been the DI scoreboard brought to you by absolutely no one. Maybe Mediacom, maybe Johnsonville. One of these, one of these companies is eventually gonna sponsor this podcast. Um, But until next time, we hope you enjoyed listening to us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Well, I'll say you could try doing a four-hour live draft show on the school radio, too, without any commercials. I did that (laughs) back in college. God, I'm so old. What happened to me? I used to be cool. I used to be cool. What happened? At least you used to be cool. I don't think I was ever there. (laughs) That's why we have a podcast.